0: Hello, beloved. How's everybody doing today? We've had such a great busy weekend. Friday, we were able to uh, head up to Mammoth Motocross and uh, watch some of our friends, our teammates, Talon Van Valkenburg and Trevor Griffin, Evan Shine. Good to see Gordon out there racing. You know, it's just good. It's good to be out and and uh, be back in the community. And you know, I God gives me favor wherever I go because they just let me go in and pray over people and and the, the lineups and and no one said a word. It was like I'm invisible sometimes. I love that. I love the fact that we get to go out and serve people and. And God just blesses it. And that's such a huge thing, you know, it is. So to all you that help us financially, sometimes all you that that pray for us, all you that are there for us, thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for giving to God. Thank you for allowing us to go and do what God's told us to do. Because that's a big deal. And I want to be faithful to that. Uh, We did just get our Venmo account set up. Um, We're pretty excited about that. Um, We're getting ready to go to Kenya. And so um, God's going to start opening doors for us. And I I know some of you are going to help us. I know that God's going to put that on your heart. And so thank you. Thank you ahead of time for giving to the Lord because it matters. Someday you're going to get to heaven, and um, you might not have ever gone to Kenya, but because you were able to support us, someone's going to come running up to you in heaven and say, thank you. Thank you for giving to the Lord, because by you giving to Jay and Jeannie, and you supporting them going to Kenra, I was able to receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And because of that, I'm here with you today. That's a big deal. That is a big deal and I just wanna encourage you guys to know that when you serve God, it has a ripple effect, whether it's financially, whether it's in prayer, whatever it is you're doing for God, it has a ripple effect. Today's gonna be a tough message. I encourage you to, uh, if you're just listening half-heartedly online Give me 20 minutes. Stop what you're doing right now and just tune in for, for 20, 30 minutes tops. Because today matters. It's something we don't talk about much in the church today. And I think it's the reason why the church is in so much trouble. I think it's the reason why we have so many churches. Because of this one topic, because of this one thing that, that so many pastors, so many churches are afraid to talk about, and that's hell. It's a tough conversation, amen? It's hard to talk to people about the fact that if they do not know Jesus Christ, they're going to go to hell they're going to live a life separated from God. They're going to be in a place of torment. And if you guys know me, if you follow me at all, you know that that since I came to Christ, I used to have this reoccurring dream all the time where I'd be standing on the, the lake of fire. I'd be looking out into it and all my friends would be out there and they'd be yelling at me, why didn't you ever tell me? I'm, I'm sitting next to Jesus and here's all my friends bobbing in the lake of fire. Jay, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you ever explain to me the difference? And guys, that's been a motivating factor in my life. That's been a motivating factor in my ministry. That's why I I prefer to be an evangelist than a pastor. Because it's more important to me that the people I meet, the people I have relationships with, come to know Jesus. If you're saved, if you're walking with God, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. But if you're still kicking the tires... You are the person I care about. You are the person that matters to me because I want to make sure you and I are together forever. I want to make sure that you and I are in heaven together. That is what drives me. That's what motivates me. That's what allows me to be me. That's what motivates me to come here week after week and give a message. To speak into your lives. I mean, we don't have a lot of people at church. Yeah, when we're at the races, lots of people come. But for me to do this week after week with literally my mom and my wife and a few of my close friends and Steve and and people that support us, it's hard. It's hard to do online messages. It's hard to speak to a camera, to an iPhone. It's hard to speak life into that box. But that is what God is calling me to do. Because he cares that much about you. He cares that much about your soul. He cares that much about people. <laughs> Revelations 20, 11 through 12. It says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as it is recorded in the books. You know what happens when your name is not found in the Book of Life, right? On that day when when you and I are judged, and and friends, that that day it's coming for all of us. Whether you believe in rapture, whether you believe in the tribulation, whether you believe in a victorious covenant no matter what you believe, every single one of us is going to die. And when we die, we are going to be judged. And the way we go to heaven is if our name is in that book of life. If our name's not in there, well, let's see what it says. It says in verse 15, that anyone whose name was not found in the, written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. That's serious. <laughs> and because it's so serious, God has commanded me to talk about it, to preach about it. To share what the Word of God says so that you are not in the know. You are not confused. All good people don't go to heaven. Being a good person is not what gets you in the door. Let's be crystal clear about that. What gets you in the door is Jesus Christ. Because God has told us for 2,000 years what the consequences were if we didn't know His Son. 2 Corinthians 5, 10-11 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain for your conscience. I want it to be crystal clear for you. I want it to be plain for you, that you understand, that you totally comprehend, without Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to go to hell. And that's hard for me to say. It's deep, and we don't like to live in such a deep place. Us Americans, we're the worst. We feel it's uncomfortable to deal with reality, but we need to. I think that our lack of talking about difficult things is what has caused the church to get more and more split up today. We want our ears tickled. We want our meat to be sliced by a fork, or we want it served on a bun. But there is not, that is not what being a Christian is all about. And when we let churches split off because they don't want to make hard calls? Because people don't want to hear the hard truth? That's on us. Guys, could you imagine if the church on a whole, if every single group was mostly concerned about whether or not their neighbors went to hell versus whether or not people left the church over arguments? What do you think we'd look like? I think we'd be one cohesive group if we focused on making sure people didn't go to hell. If we made sure that was our priority, if we made sure that, that that's what we valued, it would change church as we know it in America. Philippians one through 27-28 says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Fear not, right? <laughs> I mean, that is who we are. Fear not. We cannot worry if if a group of people are opposing us because of the gospel. And that's what the Church in America has done. We've let small groups of people dictate to us how we're going to do church, how we're going to teach. I mean, I saw an article this in this study while well, I was getting ready for this week. I saw an article that said seventy-two percent of of Christians in America believe there's a heaven. Seventy-two percent. seventy-two percent. Why are you going to church if if? If only 72% of you believe there's a heaven. And the worst part is only 54% believe there's a hell. 54% of Christians polled in America believe there was a hell. So that means 46% of you believe there's no hell. 28% of you believe there's no heaven. What do you go to church for? I'm lost by these by these things. By these numbers, it's, it's so confusing to me. It's because church has become a social gathering. It isn't what it was meant to be. Church is supposed to be where we train each other to be disciples. Church is supposed to be where we come together for, for teaching, for admonishing, for, for whatever it needs whatever our soul needs so that we can go out and equip the saints. So that you and I can bring people to Jesus Christ. That's our job. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Because there's a lot of people out there that need to know Jesus. That need to understand the true Jesus. Not that Jesus is love and, and Jesus is all forgiving. Are those things true? Sure. But if you only take those two things and you don't talk about the fact that we're all going to be judged for our deeds, if you don't bring it into a complete circle, it's not right. It's not fair. More churches in our cities need to work together to serve God in a powerful way. But it's hard. It's hard to get involved in community outreach. But God has an answer for this. He reminds us that as long as the gospel is being preached, He's good. As long as we're sticking to the truth, He's good. The word of God never goes out void. Philippians 1, 15 through 18 says, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing that is in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ has preached. And because of this, I rejoice. We get so wrapped up in what's being talked about in their churches. Are they teaching Jesus Christ crucified? Are they teaching about heaven and hell? Are they teaching about the Holy Spirit? Are they encouraging us to do worship? Are these things being covered? And praise God. As it says in the word, we don't care about their motives. God does not care about their motives. We need to celebrate and encourage any church that is speaking the true gospel. The problem happens when we start to use our own logic. We use our own logic in how we should serve God or interpret the Bible. We have to be able to listen to his word and obey what it says. But when we get revelation from a prophet of God and we listen to those warnings, that's okay too. God does not take kindly when we don't listen to his warnings. God has always put a lot, a lot of emphasis on his prophets. Have you read the Old Testament? And don't forget, Christ said, I didn't come... To get rid of the law, but to fulfill it. So many churches are so wrapped up in New Testament, they forget Old Testament. We gotta be balanced. We gotta be balanced in our thoughts. Because that's how we teach. That's how we speak the truth. Amen. I mean, let's look at Saul. Saul was winning wars. Serving God. I mean, he was, he was literally doing whatever God asked him to do. Samuel, the prophet, was singing in praise. But in just a couple pages in the book, everything changes. And it all comes because he didn't listen to the prophets. He didn't heed the warnings of God. Samuel told him that wait for seven days. I will come and I will pray with you. I will, I will do burnt offerings with you. We will do a sacrifice, but wait for me. Well, seven days passed. Samuel didn't show. The army was getting nervous. Saul was getting pressure to move. And so he did the logical thing. I mean, seven days had passed, right? So he did the offering. He did the burnt offering, the sacrifices. He did what the word called for. But he did not wait for Samuel. He's told in chapter 13 that Samuel would come. But he didn't listen. He didn't, he didn't wait for the prophet of God. Well, we know Samuel shows up angry. But he tells him, fine, go. But you got to wipe out the, into- the entire army they are fighting against, the Amalekites. You have to wipe them out. You have to kill them all. You have to kill all their animals. Yeah, You have to kill them all. So Saul goes off to war. And they win victoriously. But he spares the king. And he keeps their best animals. In his mind and in, his, in men's mind, they're keeping these animals to, for a sacrifice to God. They want to give the God... They want to give their God the best. But that's not what God told them, right? That's not what the prophet said. That was the last straw for God. It says here in 1 Samuel 15, it says, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. It wasn't long after this that David was anointed king, and Saul was stripped. but I can relate to this. I understand what Saul was doing. It was logical. It's logical to do what makes sense. And unfortunately, that's what we're doing in the church today. It makes sense to have the best kids programs. It makes sense to have the best worship teams. It makes sense to have a great message that is exactly 25 to 30 minutes long so that people can get out and get on with their Sundays. All that makes great sense. It's logical. But is it what God commanded? Is it what God wants or is it again what we want? I think that most of the splits in the church make sense. They're logical. This group, this group wants to pray in tongues. This group does not. So they split. This group wants to baptize full immersion. This group wants to sprinkle. So they split. At some point, at some point, as long as we keep going down this path, it's going to be well, we think that we should serve only organic coffee. And the other group is like, we think we should serve the cheapest coffee. It's just a cup of coffee. Well, then we should split. We think we should have gluten free donuts. How about if we have fruit instead? Nope, we have to split. How far away are we from that original message that we were called to teach? That Jesus Christ was crucified. That there is a hell. That we are all going to be judged. But the church you go to has the best gluten-free donuts and organic coffee, and their kids' program is first drink. I told you this was a hard message. I told you it was going to sting. Guys, we got to quit watering down the gospel. We teach Jesus Christ crucified. We teach that he rose from the dead. We teach there is a heaven and there is a hell. On these things I will not compromise. And you should not either. We have to be more concerned about our friends and family going to hell than gluten-free donuts. And that matters to me because I have celiac. A prideful spirit is running rampant in churches today. You know what I think about this? It's it's a spirit of religion. The churches in America are struggling with the spirit of religion. They do things because it makes sense. They do things because that's the easiest way. It'll draw more people in. We have the best music. We have the best service. We have the best kids program. We won't talk about hell. And we won't make people uncomfortable. So they'll come week after week after week. But if they're not being told about hell, how do they repent? Why do they repent? We get to a place where we are today where Only 54% believe in it. That should not be. Hebrews 11.6 says this, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. guys some of the things the bible tells us to do do not make sense it takes faith it takes obedience and i know what's crazy i mean doesn't make sense that they marched around Jer- jericho 7 times that that was the way they were going to win they, they just marched around the city 7 times And boom, the walls fell. But that's what God said. That's what the prophet of God told them to do. Doesn't make sense that that God used a shepherd boy to slay a giant. That David picked out three stones. He tried the armor. He tried the big sword. He couldn't even lift it. but he trusted God, he did what God said, and he used the tools he had. He knew he could sling rocks, so that's what he did. We have to walk in what we know to be true. We have to do the things God has commanded us to do. We live in a time where so many of us are good at seeing a vision, but we don't see God's revelation. God wants us to have faith. He wants us to trust His Word, to trust His vision for the church, for His revelation from the prophets because when we just listen to what he is saying he wants us to be unified he wants us to be together he wants us to work as a well functioning machine as one body one john 17:20 20 through 23 it says this my prayer is not for them alone i pray also for those who believe in me through their message that you sent me and I have loved them even as you have loved me. We have to share the glory that God has given us. In Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He gave us all these tools. He tells us over and over again that we are to be in unity, that we are to be one body. That we are to use a simple gospel that'll draw people to Christ. First Corinthians or I'm sorry, first Col- or just Colossians 1:19 through 20 says, "For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross." We need each other to pull this off. In order for us to see God's vision for the church, we have to be mindful of how he taught us to teach. We have to be mindful of what he says over and over. There is a judgment. There is help. Because when we focus on that, that allows us to listen, to obey, to hear His voice. We start, we start to see each other as, as companions, as brothers and sisters, not the enemy. I mean, if I was Satan, what would be the one thing that I would do? If I wanted to cause a church to stumble, what is the best way to divide and conquer? That's the first rule of war divide and conquer. John Adams said, I will learn tactics, I will learn warfare, so that my children can learn literature and mathematics and history, and so my grandchildren can learn arts and literature and peace. We're being played. The enemy is playing us like a fiddle. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14 says, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made of one part, but of many. We've gotten to this point where, where we don't think we need a part of the body. That's a lie from hell. That is a lie from Satan that that we can do without a part of the body. That we can split up. No. In order for us to be victorious, we must unite and stand firm. That is how we defeat hell, and that is how we keep our friends and family out of hell. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God. Father, just right now, I want to pray for anyone listening that does not know your son, Jesus. That they take this moment to invite them in. To invite you, invite Holy Spirit, invite Jesus Christ to be part of their life. That they acknowledge, Father, that they are weak without you. Father God, I ask that you help all of us To pray for our families, to pray for our friends, to pray for those we know that do not know your Son, Jesus. Because, Lord, the only true enemy we have in this world is Satan. The only one that we need to work together to defeat is him. And the best way, Father God, for us to defeat him is through unity. Through every church, finding a way to come together to serve our communities. Whether big or small, Father God, it does not matter. Lord, help us to love others as you love us. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. I love you. I pray that you have an amazing night. Those of you that are racing at Mammoth tomorrow, be safe, be fast and courageous. Those of you out riding, have a blast. Um, But, guys, know Jesus. Don't go to hell, okay? I love you. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.